I don't know what I'm going to be doing next year because with our vow of obedience, you know, we receive our assignments every year. We go where we're asked to go. That's something we freely chose when we made our vows that we wouldn't be the one making that decision. We would do what the community needs. Um, so I don't know what's coming up, you know, every year in the future. And there's something freeing about that because I, I still know it's God's will one way or the other. And um, really the only thing that I know to have or to, to dream for is heaven. And everything else in between is the way there, you know, and it's in his hands, not mine. Welcome back to another episode of Open Door Policy. We are so excited for you to join us today. I am your co-host, Emily Mentock, and I'm excited to be joined by... Father Patrick Gagno. Emily, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully, Father Patrick. How are you? Good. I have a question for you right out of the gate. All right. Have you ever, this has to do with our wonderful guest, a couple of the sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. I love that order. And I love our guests that are coming on. Um, if our guests could see them, just trust me, you who are listening on the podcast, they have a glow that you can only get from being in love with Jesus. True story. So uh, have you, Emily, ever watched a religious sister walk through an airport with the habit? Oh my gosh. I'm sure I've seen them, but it's, uh, I can't think of a specific memory, but it's definitely quite the experience. Yeah. Seeing people just even in public, right. And through the, through life, but is there a specific story you have to share father Patrick? Yeah. So everybody listening, the next time you see a religious sister, um, and we love all the sisters. Um, next time you see a religious sister walking through the airport, uh, it's particularly with the habit too, cause it's, it's very jarring. I'm telling you, stop what you're doing and watch and even follow her for a couple of minutes and just watch. Like I wear a collar in the airport. Eh, yeah, a couple of people want to talk now and again, get the occasional confession. But the sisters turn heads. When, when a sister walks through the airport, they turn heads. So I, I love whenever I see one. It's not all the time. It's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a rare, it's not all the time you see it, but I've learned over the last few years. And there was this one sister I watched. I just, I, I saw, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch. And just watch her walk and watch how many people are looking, looking at her. And, and, I, and I'm studying, like, like what, what are they looking for? Like, why are they noticing? And I really, I just get the sense, like, this, the sisters can talk about it better than I can. But they are, they are a real sign of the marriage of heaven that everybody's heart longs for, even if they don't know it. That hunger for God that, that is innate in each of us. That sometimes gets blocked because of sin and giving our appetites to other things. And I just think that... The, the sisters walking around in their habits as brides of Christ are like a stunning reminder, even mysterious to people that don't know what it means. But I've just seen in airports before how like people, they turn heads. It's really something. Thank you for letting me go off about that, Emily. How oh, are I you doing? It. I'm doing well. Actually, fun fact, we're recording. Uh, it's National Catholic Sisters Week what? this week, right? I don't know even if our guests were aware of that in media world we were, because of course it's a it's a hashtag in like Catholic social media this week, but it is National Catholic Sisters Week, uh, March 8th through 14th. So we are excited to celebrate that. And you're so right, Father Patrick, just wow. to, it's uh, seeing sisters in a habit and often very joyfully and often, you know, in groups together. It's just, it is a really beautiful witness and reminder in the modern world where so much of our prayer lives and our relationship with Jesus can, can sometimes be, you know, hidden or personal, but sisters are out there, uh, showing the, the real work of God's love in the world today, uh, just by walking through the airport. It's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for letting me riff on that story for a few minutes. Yeah. So take it away, Emily, who's waiting in the waiting room. <laughs> 
We are very excited. We have two guests today who are going to be um, kind of just joining us to share their stories together and the work that they're doing. Um, one is Sister Martha Mary or Mary Martha Becknell, excuse me. Um, and she, they're both of our guests, like you said, are Dominican sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. Um, and some fun facts about her is that one, she's originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Gumbo. Very cool. Yeah. I love it. She entered the convent immediately after college. Um, their mother house for their order is in our Ann Arbor, Michigan. So, uh, maybe we can hear more about that story of just the witness of sisters that drew her in to mm. the, the convent right after college. And then last year she studied theology abroad in Rome at the Angelicum Pontifical Council of St. Thomas Aquinas, Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a little bit on the podcast, uh, earlier this year, I, I was, able to visit Rome earlier this year. It was so amazing. So I can't imagine getting to live there and study there. What a, what an amazing gift. And our other guest is sister Maria Veritas Marks. She loves to play tennis. Super fun. I actually, I managed a men's tennis team um, for Notre Dame when I was in college. Awesome. I also love tennis. Um, the Veritas in her name is for Jesus, the truth and the spirit of truth um, mm. as well because coming from the Dominican motto. And her favorite saint is St. Dominic. Again, no surprise with her order. Right so we are super excited to welcome to the podcast, Sister Maria Veritas and Sister Mary Martha. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, we've got it. We've got to hear. How did you, uh, Sister Maria Veritas, we'll start with you and then go to Sister Mary Martha. How did you come to be drawn to be a sister, you know, a Dominican sister, Mary Mother of the Eucharist? We'd love to hear the background, how the Lord brought you to this. Well, my mother grew up in Hamtramck. And so... I, my grandparents stayed in the area and in 2000, I was visiting my grandparents and had heard about this new community that was um, being founded in the Ann Arbor area, Dominican, you know, Dominican sisters. And so we went out to, we just knocked, knocked on the door and met the first, you know, the very first sisters of our community and their joy their strong sense of identity as women of the church and their habits really spoke to my heart. And so I kept in touch with them for about 10 years before I entered. Wow. And then when did you enter? Did you go to um, Aweda College as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then entered after college. You literally went out and knocked on their door. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) And they were home. They were home. Yeah. Right on. Do you remember the name of the sister that you met at the door? Yep. Sister Joseph Andrew. Oh, praise the Lord. And when you kept in touch, was it like email, occasional phone call, maybe a visit? Yeah. So it was basically email for a long time. And then, then came on a vocation discernment retreat. Uh Not really not, I was not discerning. I just wanted, I just loved the sisters and wanted to be with them. So, I mean, I would have, I would not have described myself as discerning sister. Mary Martha's laughing at me. I love it. I love it. One other thing that you said that stood out to me, um, sister Maria Veritas is that one thing that's, um, you remember from that first meeting, um, was their sense of sort of like being women of the church, being women in the church. Can you share a little bit more about like what, what that meant and how it sort of stuck with you for the 10 years following until you entered? Yes, I think it's it's really hard to describe actually why I had that sense of there being women of the church of having a strong sense of their identity and a strong joy in their identity. I I do know that was the idea of being 
daughters of the church is something, I mean, Teresa of Avila would talk about that with her nuns. And a couple of years ago, Mother Assumpta at our final vow ceremony, which is always, it has traditionally been at Christ the King in Ann Arbor because our own mother house chapel isn't large enough to hold all the the guests who want to come. Um, but Mother Assumpta usually um, bishop, whoever was the bishop would be presiding at the mass would invite her if she wanted to say anything after the mass. And for all of the years that I had been in the convent, like 10 years, she had always said, no, she didn't want to mm. add anything. And then this time was the one time when she, she did. And basically what she said is, um, we're daughters of the church. Um, wow. that's, and that's all that we want to be. That's all. And, you know, I mean, it's, it was, it was beautiful and it was, a lesson because it was the only the only statement she'd ever made at a at a vow ceremony in my knowledge and and i think that i don't know when you when a woman knows who who she is and whom she belongs to what doesn't have to be a consecrated woman you know um, a married woman as well it's that rootedness and identity i think is it comes across it's not it's not tangible but it's you know, you can't, there's nothing to particularly identify it. Although in this case, the wearing of the traditional Dominican habit was, was sort of a visible sign of that, but just, you know, you know, when, when a woman knows who she is and is, um, is very grounded in that identity. Powerful. Wow. We're coming back to you, Sister Maria Veritas. Oh gosh. We, this is the three hour episode, right? Emily? I know. Right? Right. <laughs> Buckle up everybody. Sister Mary Martha. We'd love to hear like, how did the Lord draw you to be a sister? Sure. Father. So, um, so unlike sister who says she was not discerning when she met the sisters, I, <laughs> I didn't meet the sisters. So I've been discerning for like 12 years or something. Mm. Wow. So awesome. I, I had started thinking about religious life. Um, when I was about 10, um, I was reading a book, um, like children's book about St. Catherine of Siena. And it just sort of occurred to me all of a sudden St. Catherine, um, for any listeners who might know was a a Dominican. So there's a special connection there with her, but, um, it occurred to me all of a sudden that this was a, a possibility for me as well. And I was instantly attracted to it. And, but I had no idea how to know, like, if it was my will, if it was God's will. Mm. And so I just wrestled with that for many, many years. And finally, in college, I started seeing a priest for mm. um, spiritual direction. And he really helped me learn more how to pray, mm. um, especially with the scriptures. Um, I was already praying a lot in um, Eucharistic adoration, going to daily mass. Um, my spirituality was very Eucharistic centered, as long as I can remember. So. Uh, I had that right, but I, he taught me how to, um, like pray with the scriptures and meditate on the word of God and let that speak to me and let that relationship with God be what was first. And then, um, kind of almost let, let this feeling like I need to figure out what I'm supposed to do, kind of take a back seat, let that relationship be there first and let then, you know, my vocation discernment flow from that and let him show me through that what his will was. So then I kind of had a, an experience in adoration um, where, where it felt like Jesus was proposing to me. He was offering me to be his bride, um, which we are as consecrated religious, you know, 
And so, but I wasn't sure that was really from the Lord, you know, um, I took praying with it for several months to come to the point where I realized there was a desire in religious for religious life in my heart that was so strong. I knew it had to be from God. It couldn't just be from me. Um, it was bigger than me wow. in a way. So um, that's when I finally figured out, okay, mm-hmm. I think I have a religious vocation. Now I need to figure out what community. And so Where it wasn't until, <laughs> yeah. And I had heard about our community a few years back, like when I was in high school, but I had not done anything about it, even though I was really attracted to it. So I finally went on retreat with our sisters and it was home. Well, praise the Lord. Sister Mary Martha, thank you so much for, for sharing that and, and that adoration experience. And I want to ask both of you again, sister, sisters, uh, and we'll start with Sister Maria Veritas and come back to you again, Sister Mary Martha. If you wouldn't mind sharing, um, you know, I think one of the most, it's so in, enticing, uh, like, you know, that, that you've given, like, you, you sisters have given your, like, people, like, we know, like, you've given your life to Jesus and you and then the, I know we're all growing. It's like, I want to get to know Jesus more, but, but it's really intriguing. Like you've given your life to Jesus, you're his bride and you, you have a prayer life. And um, it's, it's just great to hear about the interior life, um, but it, which is also a personal thing. So, uh, but if you wouldn't mind sharing a treasure, that, you know, one of your wonderful encounters, we already got one from you, Sister Mary Martha, but we want another, uh, but one of your wonderful encounters with the Lord that just like, that has helped confirm for you, like maybe it was when you were being called to the Lord, or maybe it's even been during since you've taken vows, but an encounter with the Lord that you've had, we love encounter girl witness in the Archdiocese of Detroit, an encounter with the Lord that you had that just continues to confirm for you or did something like, yeah, my heart belongs hundred percent to Jesus. Sister Maria Veritas up first. I guess it's hard to point to one, to one moment because there are so many encounters, you know, um, we encounter our spouse daily in Eucharistic adoration. That's a great gift that our community has. And our the name of our community includes the word Eucharist. And yes. that's our, uh, the you represents the Eucharistic devotion of our community that includes a daily holy hour. And I, mm. I mean, we all, we all have periods of dryness, you know, but that is a yep. time of encounter with my spouse. And, and I know I couldn't, couldn't hold up without that, you know, for very yeah. long. So that would be, that'd be one place I'd point to. Can you guys hear that? That's a great line about Eucharistic devotion. I know I couldn't hold up without that very long in a daily holy hour. I know I couldn't hold up without that very long. Everybody out there just say it about the Eucharist. I know I couldn't hold up without that very long. Over to you, Sister Mary Martha. Yeah, so obviously I definitely agree with what Sister said and with the the daily encounter, like there are so many, it's happening every day. And then we have other times of prayer in the chapel too. And sometimes it's, these encounters are um, little, I guess, if you will. It's not the big aha moments all the time. It's these little moments of encounter with, with the Lord. But um, I guess I could share a, a bigger encounter moment uh, story um, as well. So um, this has to do with my, my um, religious name, Sister Mary Martha. Um, and um, my mother, my mother also likes to tell this story as like the time when she knew, uh, when the Lord confirmed for her that this was my vocation. Um, mm. so, um, my, my grandmother, my mother's mom, um, passed away when I 
uh, was about to be receiving the habit. And so on that day I was going to, um, that I was receiving the habit was her funeral. And, um, my, my parents knew what names I had given to a mother as, um, with possible names. Um, we give mother three names, um, to, um, uh, that we've prayed about that we think might be our, our names that we want to be our religious name. Mm-hmm. And so my parents knew what I had, had told mother and they knew Mary Martha was on the top of the list. And right um, so when they went to the mass and, and the priests had picked out at the readings for my grandmother's funeral mass, and they knew I was receiving the habit later that day and getting my religious name when I received the habit. And so when it was the story of, of the raising of Lazarus, ah, Mary and Martha's yeah. brother, um, my dad turned to my mom and said, Sister Mary Martha, and they just really saw this as a sign um, of God being at work and that this was my vocation. And, you know, before that, I wasn't sure if they were going to call me by my religious wow. name. I, you know, when mm-hmm. parents have given their child their name, it's really <laughs> hard to change, you know, um, but they do. And um, I think it's because they personally, but also in a way, us as a family, we encountered the Lord through that experience, that confirmation of, of, of my vocation and um, of consolation for our family at that time of grief, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you That's, both. Wow. Names are so powerful, right? I mean, God gave us his name, right? Too. It's like oh. when he revealed his own name. So it's, I think it's uh, uh, for people in religious life. I mean, I'm, I'm married. And so I have my name from baptism. I have the uh-huh. name that I chose to take for my husband, for my last name, but, um, for your, and you and sort of becoming, you know, the brides of Christ as well. I think it's just so beautiful uh-huh. that there's like that grace that comes with that name, that little confirmation of peace in your vocation, uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. because names are such a beautiful gift. And we will, we will never know you are our audience will never know you as anyone other than the names. And we've heard each a bit of your name stories here. So thank you so much yeah. um, for sharing that. Awesome. Something that stood out to me from your story is both kind of have that piece of identity, you know, um, mm-hmm. sister Maria Veritas, you mentioned, Oh, like that was something that stood out about the sisters too, that they, they knew that they were, they were daughters of God, like first and foremost. And that, you know, even the work they were doing always like came secondary to that. And then sister Mary, Martha, you mentioned that when you were discerning your vocation, um, even though St. Catherine of Siena, who's famous for that quote of, you know, be who you are yeah. meant to be and you will set the world on fire. She's super famous for that quote, but you even realized that you first need to have that relationship with the Lord. Like you had to know your mm. identity just with him before you could be who you were meant to be in terms of living out anything else and who mm-hmm. you're meant to be is a daughter of the Lord. So I really love yes. kind of those pieces from each of your stories that just go back to something that, um, anyone, of course, all of our, our w- women listeners who also need to be daughters of the Lord, but mm-hmm. even in the men and the, who need to be sons in the Lord Amen. as well, just such a beautiful, oh. beautiful story. Um, I'd love to learn a little bit more about how you guys got into writing. So for our audience, if they don't know, um, that both sisters actually contribute to a biweekly column in Detroit Catholic. And, you know, we're all about using the tools of media for evangelization media Mm -hmm. comes, um, it's even highlighted in Archbishop's unleash the gospel letter and Detroit Catholic it's, it's an impactful storytelling, um, that really brings the sort of like the life and stories of, of Catholics in Southeast Michigan Mm -hmm. and, and around the world 
world. They do really amazing um, reporting to life in a new way, like to bring, to seize the power of stories in people's lives through a Catholic perspective, I think is just a really um, amazing thing. And we also have our voices, the Detroit Catholic voices. So um, maybe sister uh, Mary Martha, you can go first. So how did you get started writing for Detroit Catholic? And um, how do you see that as part of living out your vocation? Oh, okay. So we, we both kind of got started together. Um, oh, great. Sister and I were, were living together in Ave Maria, Florida at the time. Sister was studying at the university. I was teaching fifth grade. And um, I think the archdiocese contacted our, our mother general at the time, Mother Sumta, and asked, if, do you have any sisters who would be willing to, to write this you know, bi-weekly or once a month, a couple of sisters. And so um, I think probably because we had um, sisters who were studying theology on that mission, mother asked um, our mission if there was anyone there who was interested in writing. And so the two of us ended up volunteering and Awesome. That was like eight years ago, and here we still are. So. Yeah. <laughs> so you've gone through the Michigan Catholic to Detroit Catholic transition right. even. Exactly. Yes. So. And what inspires you in your writing? Mm, so, you know, a lot of the times the sisters will ask me, do they give you a topic? Or I'm like, no, it's just whatever I want to write about. <laughs> so, um, so it really is the Holy Spirit. Like I always pray to him first and it's up yeah. to him to decide what I'm uh, writing about. Um, but I'll often look at uh, the liturgical calendar around that time, what's coming up feast wise. Um, or, you know, liturgical season wise, like it's Lent right now. So I'm going to write something about Lent kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when I'm teaching, I'll have stories from like something a student will say that will spark something. But usually it's something that's coming up in life in prayer or just it's obvious the Lord is wanting me to talk about that. Sister Mary Martha, you got to write about, you don't know, I just an idea. But for Lent, I read that you are in the questionnaire that you are praying before crucifix for five minutes every day yes yeah right about that right about that right about (laughs) like here's what happens uh, or some I just think that's awesome how's that been going it's it's good it's beautiful um a lot of times it's just very simple Uh, Mm I'm just trying to stay focused just you know not let my mind or my eyes wander for those five minutes but it's an idea I got from another sister and um, when I heard her say that she had done that at one point, I thought that's a great idea. I'm going to try that out. So that's super cool. I heard Pope Francis say once, like, this is probably a couple of years ago where he like encouraged people to pray the, our father, like when you're praying the, our father during mass, try and look at the Eucharist doing during that. Mm-hmm. And I'm that's less than five minutes. And I, but I try to do that now, like just during the, our father in mass. And like, and when I, and since I picked up that, just that tiny little habit, like it, it has definitely even changed like the weight of that prayer. Like you're focusing on it and like hearing those words and thinking about like what they mean in a totally different way when you're looking at the, at the crucifix. So that's a cool, that's a really cool Lenten practice. I love that. Well, and then you're looking at, you know, you're praying, give us this day, our daily bread. And you're looking Uh, at that bread, the bread yeah. 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 And there's so many lines, even like another one from it's when he's just like, Oh, forgive us our like trespasses. And I think mm-hmm. of like the good thief, like asking for forgiveness. Like it's, it's been a really powerful that's uh, little habit. So yeah. that's, that's cool. Okay. We want to circle back to finish the question too. Sister Maria Veritas, we'd love to hear just any inspiration in, in your writing or why, why did you want to volunteer to do it those eight years ago? <laughs> I think one of the beautiful parts about religious life is that 
talents that you didn't know you had are developed in you and you start to realize that you have them. And I, I mean, I was an English major, so I was used to writing, but I'd never written anything like this before. I'd never written sort of a popular column on religious topics. And it's not always easy and, and topics don't always come to my mind, but it's actually a lot. I don't know. It's, it's a lot, it's renewing for me and I didn't expect it to be that way. And I enjoy it and I didn't necessarily expect to enjoy doing it. And I realized it's a way that I actually can contribute to the, to evangelization that, you know, I think, and also sister Mary Martha is also very gifted and we all, as you learn in community that uh, different sisters have different gifts and it's really beautiful Mm -hmm. because you rejoice in each sister's gift and the way that God has chosen her to put it at his service. And this wasn't a gift that I realized I had. And it's not one that I probably would have ever known Mm. that I had if I hadn't been asked to do it and been a sister. So um, that being said, usually I think, I don't know, it's like what sister Mary Martha said, you know, just whatever is going on liturgical year, we as Dominicans, one of the mottos, there are many mottos, Veritas is one. Another motto Uh is contemplare et contemplata alis tradere, which is variously translated, but basically I like to translate it as um, to contemplate and to give to others what has been contemplated. And so the contemplation comes first. It's like what Archbishop says, you know, the encounter and Mm. then, and then passing on those very mysteries. And so we're blessed because we have that daily hour of Eucharistic adoration and we're hopefully focused on seeing Christ throughout, throughout our day. And so just any of that could be a catalyst for, for an article. Ah, I love it. And thinking of your connection to Detroit, you know, writing for the Detroit Catholic, um, Sister Maria Veritas, you are a PhD candidate at Catholic University and Sister Mary Martha living in uh, Texas at the Priory and currently doing catechetical writing for uh, Education and Virtue and the Open Light Media products. Um, love to hear from, from both of you about how, you know, your ties to the Southeast Michigan, that the, um, the mother house in, in Ann Arbor. And it sounds like both of you have been positioned to um, help teach and write. And maybe even that's being passed on to other sisters that you're, you're involved with, but uh, love to hear about like your, your connection here in Detroit uh, with the sisters. How do you, the, I love the community piece. How do you support the sisters back, back here in the mother house and maybe even some St. Isaac Joe's connections still. I think one special connection that I have with St. Isaac Jones and the Archbishop is that when uh, we were doing our final vow prep, so we have the gift of Mm. some time before making our final vows away with the sisters that we're making vows with to just rest, to study, to pray, and to have fun together. And Mm. we, the year that I was making final vows, we did that at uh, at St. Isaac Jogues. And so wow. got to know the convent a little bit. And there was one day when the archbishop came and said mass for us and stayed and, and ate with us. And it was, it was very, very beautiful. It was mm-hmm. his mass was so, was so reverent and prayerful. And it was really a privilege to, to meet him and, and to be in his archdiocese for that time of grace. Awesome. Thank you, sis. Over to you, sister. Well, so like you said, our mother house is in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is um, Stone's Throw. Some of our listeners may know it's in the the Diocese of Lansing, not the Archdiocese of Detroit, but that really Mm -hmm. is home 
um, for us. And then, you know, just like you said, a stone's throw over <laughs> is the archdiocese. And so we do, and we go over there for various like visits and things like I've gone like back when I was in the novitiate to um, visit some of the churches there. We went on a pilgrimage of churches in Detroit, like St. Anne's and some of the other, mm-hmm. other oh, churches cool. in that area. And, you know, the Solanus Casey Center, we love Solanus yeah. Casey. Um, yeah. so, Who doesn't um, love Blessed Solanus Casey, right? right. <laughs> so, um, so we have strong, you know, the spiritual connection with the, the archdiocese there. And the Lord is just doing so many beautiful things in, in both the Archdiocese of Detroit and the Diocese of Lansing. Yes, absolutely. Um, so it's really beautiful to see that. And then, of course, wherever our sisters are, um, there's a way in which our whole community is present Ooh. there. So even though we're not personally there at St. Isaac Joe's, there's a way that we are there because our sisters are there. And the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of Eucharist, are there. So in a in a higher way, a mystical, spiritual way, we are present mm-hmm. to um people wherever our sisters are so do you guys do your holy hour at the same time or you can do it anytime we do it at the same time with the sisters that we're living with oh okay um, so you still do it in community beautiful. so we're doing it in community but it, it's you know not we're not coordinating across different time zones and, and things like right that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's so interesting that there's this um like the national eucharistic revivals coming up soon right and you guys are all Super about excited. doing holy hour <laughs> have you read the document oh yeah you're pumped about it. i have i have read it. the document yes <laughs> there's there's such a focus even on adoration and me you know and and encountering jesus through that not even of course also in mass like in the in um like the sacrament of the eucharist but also in adoration uh, so well let me ask you just this uh sister mary martha why are you excited about it <laughs> well <laughs> i think one reason is i see the need for it in um in our church, in our world, <laughs> there's yeah. so many people who don't know him in the Eucharist. And so, however, we can spread that to people yeah. and help them to come to, to meet him, to encounter him. Like I've always, I, I don't remember a time when I didn't know him in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And so wow. that I think was one of the things that drew me to our community in particular was I would see, um, like family members who are not really in the church anymore or other people not in the church anymore. And I would think if they really had known him and the Eucharist, the way I know him, there's no way they could have left him. And so to be able to spread that, the love of the Lord for us there in the Eucharist, um, I think it's part of it. And also I was in um, a class on the Eucharist last semester. And so we read the document with that class. So then, and then we had um a priest from the USCCB come and talk to us about it and the plans that the bishops have um, for this whole revival process. So that got me even more excited. <laughs> that is awesome. Hey, Sister Mary, Sister Mary Martha. Oh, go ahead, Emily. Sorry. You go, Father Patrick. Oh, Sister Mary Martha, uh, in your writings about the saints, who's got your heart recently? Like what saint recently has grabbed your heart and inspired you? And then Sister Maria Veritas, um, in your PhD studies, love to hear something that's caught your heart lately. The Dominicans have this rich heritage of continued study, right? And sharing the treasure. What was the phrase again, Sister Maria? Contemplatio? Contemplate and give to others what has been contemplated. Yeah, that was awesome. So, <laughs> Sister Mary Martha, which saints got your heart lately? Why? Um, 
So I think probably the ones that stand out the most right now are the Ugandan martyrs. Mm. Um, so because I guess part of it is I read a whole book on them <laughs> and wow. the others I, I, because I had to write about a couple of them. So I needed to figure out mm-hmm. what was different about the different ones, but the other saints I've kind of read shorter things on, but um, just their, their courage and their joy as they were about to be martyred and the way mm. that they encouraged each other um, to remain faithful and give that gift. Um, and, you know, they were such brand new Christians. They, mm. you know, some of them were baptized the night, the day before they were condemned to die. Oh um, my gosh. So, yes. So, and, and the, I won't go into details wow. because it's quite graphic, some of it actually, mm. but the way that they were tortured is just unimaginable, Oof. some of it. And um, just their peace and courage and joy in the face of that is just uh, remarkable and just such a witness of what it looks like to suffer as a Christian, you know, and not just martyrdom, but any any suffering, any smaller suffering that we might encounter, what it looks like to do that in union with Christ who died for us. Mm, powerful. Yeah. All, you. Like you said, all, all suffering takes a little courage to do it well. And then to choose to do it like mm. for the Lord in a way as well, versus right. just like kind of being stuck in your own suffering. Mm. So the martyrs right. are like the such powerful examples. That's like next level <laughs> suffering. Sure, of yeah. course. Yes. <laughs> How about you, sister Maria from uh, your PhD? Like what is your PhD? What do you, what's your specialty and what's caught your heart lately? Maybe what you're studying and what you're doing. I'm doing a PhD in systematic theology, which is basically going diving deeper into the doctrines. So other areas of theology are like moral theology, catechetics, mm. um, biblical theology. I'm I'm interested in the intersection of systematics and biblical studies because I don't think you can study God without his word or vice versa. And I would say one saint that has had my heart actually since I read um, a Louis DeWall novel about him. So for any of our listeners, Louis DeWall is a great novelist about Catholic saints. And he wrote a novel about St. Thomas Aquinas. I believe it's called The Quiet Light. And I knew St. Thomas Aquinas was this, you know, very intellectual Dominican who left the church a great treasure of theology. And that was great, but wasn't, it didn't necessarily capture your heart, you know, but um, I read that novel and just recognized what a humble, beautiful, meek, loving man Thomas was Mm. and what a joy he would have been to be around. He was really abstracted. You know, I think you would laugh a lot at him. He probably laughed a lot at himself, you know, like smart people, they just get their thoughts, you know, but um, he just loved God and loved his brothers, loved his vocation so much. And when I read his work, I can see the beauty of truth. I can see mm. the beauty of the order that God has placed into creation, that he's placed into theology. And there's actually, uh, there's a prayer before study that he wrote. That's just, uh. it really, it really speaks to that. And I've, I was a, a little bit embarrassed because the sister that I'm with, who's also studying with me, she was telling me, oh yes, I always pray that before I start my studying each day. And I thought, oh my gosh, yeah, maybe, maybe I should do that too. You know, maybe I should <laughs> <take> <laughs> whatever. Um, but, um, 
this prayer before study, it really, it, it starts like big, you know, this isn't like, you know, make me have a good memory, mm. make me eloquent in speech. He talks about that, mm. but that's, that's at the end of the prayer. He starts with God mm-hmm. as creator who created the hierarchies of angels who mm-hmm. created the heavens and the mm-hmm. earth. And it's just like, you just stick what you're doing mm-hmm. into that framework of this, mm-hmm. you know, God of heaven and earth, you know, God of creation, God of the universe. And what I'm doing is a part of his, his plan. And I want to mm-hmm. do it well. And I want to do it. Uh, I want to truthfully convey our faith because it's a part of this greater reality that he mm-hmm. has created. It's wonderful. Do you remember, I'm sure you do being Dominicans, um, and you can confirm it for me, I, I'm 90% sure I have this right, but after St. Thomas Aquinas had this experience where Jesus spoke to him from the cross, didn't he want to like for a minute burn his works because it wasn't, is that so? He wanted to like, he thought everything he'd written was just straw compared to what he experienced. Is that right? That is right. Whoa. Don't worry, we won't burn any of the Detroit Catholic articles. No, we won't. <laughs> you you comparing that? that to Thomas? That's pretty awesome. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. 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 All the same, all the same pursuit of truth. I think what you shared, sister, is just yeah, so beautiful. And, and that, yeah, like God is truth. God is God is truth. And so when you when you orient anything that any of us are doing in that perspective of like, okay, all of this, the creation, like this is his truth coming through in his creation, or this knowledge is like in pursuit of that truth, you're finding God. It does just put things into perspective that like any little bit that we could learn, hope to know, and then, you know, sort of like love better in God is a gift of like, of him being truth itself. So that's really awesome. And we're really grateful that you guys have shared that. We'd love to hear also, um, just, okay. You're, we've heard a little bit of your stories, what you've done with your lives, how, where kind of what you're doing now. Um, how, what are you sort of excited about that's coming up? You know, we, sometimes we ask a big question of our guests, which is what is your dream? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, you know, with, I'm sure you, you guys have that, but would just love to hear anything that you're excited about for your, for your uh, year ahead or anything you're working on or anything that God's putting in your heart. One thing that's a great blessing is that our community is celebrating 25 years of existence this year. So we hit that milestone on February 9th. That was the day on which our foundresses made their um, vows into the hands of Cardinal O'Connor. And then, you know, and then got invited to the great state of Michigan. Um, But so we're, we're planning a big celebration to thank God for his gifts and to thank all of our many, many benefactors on whom we rely for all of their goodness to us and all of the, you know, our families and friends. So that'll be on July 30th. And our sisters are working hard to, to get ready for that. And so that's a great, it's just, it's so important in life to mark those milestones, to, to take stock of God's blessings because otherwise we can forget them. So I'm really looking forward to that. Sister Mary Martha. She kind of stole my thunder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I guess, um, because that's something I know is coming up and I don't know what I'm going to be doing next year because with our vow of obedience, you know, we receive mm-hmm. our assignments every year. We go where we're asked to go. That's mm-hmm. something we freely chose when we made our vows that we wouldn't be the one making that decision. We would do what the community needs. Um, so I don't know what's coming up, you know, every year in the future. And there's something freeing about that because I, I still know it's God's will one way or the other. And um, so really the only thing that I know to have to look forward to, to dream for is heaven. 
and everything else nice. in between is the way there, you know, Amen. and it's in his hands, not mine. So that is the best answer we've ever gotten. Oh. <laughs> you can't argue with that at all. Nailed it, sister. <laughs> and towards, towards that end, uh, sisters, just to riff, riff on it for a minute. Um, what is holiness? How would you two describe holiness? It's a great chance to have both you on the podcast, uh, two Dominican sisters, Mary and Mother of Eucharist. It's clear you both love the Lord so much. So if you had to take a swing at what is holiness? How would you describe it? I'd say living in reality. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> this is something I've thought about a lot recently, just giving talks to young people and thinking about truth and what is truth. Everything that is participates in God. And so in order for us to be, to become God-like, which is what we're called to be, mm -hmm. that's another word for that is living in reality in all of its fullness. And so, for example, you can think about humility and humility mm -hmm. isn't saying, well, I don't have any gifts, you know, or I'm not good at that. Um, it could, it could be saying, I'm not good at that because maybe you don't have that gift, but you've been given gifts and you also have weaknesses and that's, that's just the truth. And so living in that is, is very freeing. And that's, that's what holiness is, is living more and more in the truth um, of who you are, of who God is, of who the people around you are. Awesome stuff. Ali Oop to Sister Mary Martha. So I was thinking what um, one of the things when I was studying in Rome last year that kind of came home to me through my classes in a in a new way is um, not like I had never thought of it before, but it, it kind of came home to me in a deeper way is that um, my holiness is his work. It's God's work. Um, and I have to cooperate with it, obviously. I can get in the way of it, <laughs> um, mm, but it's, it's, it's him and he wants it and he's going to do it. And so in some ways to um, in prayer, sit back and watch what he's doing in, in that mm. way and just be in awe and thankful to him for how he's growing virtue in me or whatever. Um, but that it, it is from the Lord and it's not something we can do on our own. Uh, both of you give such beautiful answers. Uh, I think of the name sisters of Mary, mother, the Dominican sisters, Mary of the mother, mother of the Eucharist and the daily holy hour practice you have and uh, Marian receptivity, receiving what he's doing and, and staying in touch with reality, you know, living in reality and receiving from him that he has this plan to perfect us in his love. And the only thing I would add to it, if I could just jump on the train is, uh, is, you know, the love, the response to his love. And, you know, I want to say, I don't want to over-romanticize it, like, but honestly, like, it's the passion of the Christ. It's not the boredom of the Christ. Like, the passion of the Christ led him to his cross. And your veils, like, and, and your own words speaking about, like, we are brides of Christ. That, I mean, that's like, who doesn't want to live with a passionate love in their heart that leads them to give a reason for why they do being because I love this person is why I choose to do this or that. But as John said, he loved us first. So receiving and responding to that. Thank you for your answers. This is just, a, I think, a really practical thing for people. Like, what is holiness? And how, how do we keep receiving receiving this love from the Lord? And I think your Eucharistic devotion is like a huge like reminder to all of us how precious this most blessed sacrament is and devotion to it. Emily, what's cooking? 
I think, yeah, asking uh, uh, religious sisters, what is holiness? What is the path to holiness? Is the question that everyone in the airport wants to ask them, mm. but doesn't have Whoa. necessarily the courage to do it. Wow. So there you go, guys. We Father Patrick has asked on our behalf to get a little glimpse um, from these mm. sisters, uh, their own in their own words, sort of what is the path to holiness that that they've been called to. And um, mm. you know, we hear we've heard so many different. Uh, testimonies of joyful missionary disciples on this podcast. And the, the diversity of answers, I think is what makes it, you know, really, especially beautiful that we can mm -hmm. have people who are families, who are young, single people, who are older people who are working for the church or not. Mm -hmm. And to add, um, to have your two beautiful witnesses as well. And your testimonies here as part of this has been such a great gift. So like I mentioned, uh, earlier, we do like to conclude with prayer on the podcast and father Patrick has this great sort of team team player mentality where everyone <laughs> goes around and uh, contributes a little bit to the prayer. So um, maybe if sister Mary Martha, you could start in prayer and then sister Maria Veritas, you sort of pick up where she left off and father Patrick will take us home with a blessing. In the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. amen. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for our conversation. We ask you to use it to Bless the hearts of your people to draw them closer to you. Um, we thank you for your presence with us in the Eucharist and in your word, your presence in all of creation, you who are truth. And we ask you to bless all of those who are listening today with the assurance of your love and your mercy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Spirit, for all of your gifts to us. Make us grateful, especially in this season of Lent. And I ask you to gift each of our listeners and everyone working on this podcast to make it possible with those gifts of uh, encounter, growth, and then the zeal and the strength to evangelize. Lord Jesus, thank you for your brides, these two particular brides, Sister Mary Martha and Sister Maria Veritas who are a great reminder to all of us that we're called to be part of uh, the eternal wedding feast and the bride, uh, your bride, the church. Please bless them. And may those who've heard their testimony today, may you stir up many more vocations to the consecrated religious life. And may God bless all of you who've taken the time to hang out with us and listen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to another episode of Open Door Policy, where we hear stories of different joyful missionary disciples around Southeast Michigan and how they encounter, grow, and witness in their love for Christ. You can find more episodes at unleashthegospel.org forward slash podcast or on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music. See you next time.